What is up, Mr. Fretz? It is your buddy, Nate the and Great from the Game Changer Podcast. My friend, very happy for you for doing this Fave 5. Most shocking moments, or moments that still shock you to this day. I'm looking forward to hearing this list. And to be honest, as far as me, Undertaker streak broken. That is the one that is just so, so hard to top. But something tells me that you might have one that could top that. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Love you, man. Too sweet. You're amazing. And for those of you that don't know, catch us on the Game Changer podcast every week on WrestleAtic Radio. Fretz, you're my brother. I'm always here for you, man. Stay safe. Stay strong. Always here for you. Welcome, everybody, to episode 19 of Fretz's Fave 5. I am Mr. Fretz. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the legendary JF. This podcast is available on the Russell Addict Radio Patreon page. And a huge shout out, big props, and thanks goes out to my good friend, my good brother, my co host on the Game Changer podcast, Nate the F and Great for the voice message that you just heard and for the topic for this week's Fretz's Faith 5 Top 5 Most Shocking Moments That Still Shock Me Guess we can say Top 5 Shockers Turn on Safe Search when you Google that, kids <laughs> Anyways This is a list that didn't take me as long as I thought it would to put together uh, I am recording this on uh, Monday the 29th of June and I figured I can get it out of the way now and say happy Canada Day and happy 4th of July uh, to my Canadian and my American friends. Uh, by the time you hear this, both of those holidays will be over and holy crap, we are going to be in July. What is next for July? Alien Invasion, Murder Hornets, Sahara Desert, who knows? But whatever you're doing, through these holidays or whatever you have done, I'll be saying that in past tense for uh, next week's sake, be safe, be smart, be kind. Now, without wasting any of more time, I have number five. No, I don't, because I have an honorable mention to get out of the way first. Uh, because my honorable mention and my number five are both fairly recent uh, picks, I'm going to be getting them a little bit out of the way, I guess, is a, for a lack of a better term. But my honorable mention has to go to Bray Wyatt. Namely, The Fiend's first entrance at SummerSlam 2019 in uh, my home away from home away from home, Toronto. Now, when people ask me, Fretz, where are you from? I don't say Sobble Beach. I'll just say Toronto because more people know about Toronto. Toronto is the capital of our province. And ironically, our nation's capital is also in Ontario, Ottawa. How Ottawa isn't both, I don't know. But that's, you know, that's something for a geography class that I clearly didn't pay attention in. So, Bray Wyatt made his return last year as the uh, seemingly happy-go-lucky Mr. Rogers-esque children's entertainer, complete with uh, 
puppets and 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 such things and little sketches and happy little things. You'd get the odd tinge of something psychotic, uh, the odd piece of okay, this doesn't sit right. This isn't we this is weird. And then you get the fiend coming out at the, at the end of these. And right away, after seeing this guy start off like Mr. Rogers or Mr. Dressup, a can of Coke to anyone outside of Canada who knows who Mr. Dressup was. Slack, I'm looking at you. Uh, to go from that to a alter ego that Bray has to help him deal with things, you know, let me in and everything. We caught all of this through vignettes, through Firefly Funhouse shorts. And this was about three months of build before The Fiend finally made a television appearance. I believe one of his first ones was at Madison Square Garden or or, or at Nassau, one of the one of the other. Uh it was in New York, that I'm certain of, and I think uh some members some uh past and present members of Russell Attic Radio were actually there. I remember hearing a lot about it. Uh, uh so jealous. But then it took some time after that before the fiend started making, you know, wrestling appearances. SummerSlam last year, you just see The Fiend, you know, Bray Wyatt's coming out in his mask, in his Fiend gear, carrying a severed head of himself, having like a heavy screaming cover of his initial... uh, Catching Flies entrance theme, this time by Code Orange, who just puts an absolute psychotic twist on it, especially with like the hurt heel part. And uh, Slack can attest to this because he was at SummerSlam, lucky prick, uh, that this took everyone by surprise and everyone was just like, holy shit. And they actually chanted that after he came out. So that was just shocking in and of itself. The, the severed head is basically what makes this list for me because everyone's just like, oh my gosh, it's a severed head. He's never going to be allowed on TV again. Well, Al Snow had an action figure in the late 90s that came with head. You know, the mannequin head that gave him voices in his head that used to talk to him and counsel him, and he understood Randy Orton was taking notes at this point in time when he was in developmental. (laughs) But, yeah, they took that off the shelf. And then Al Snow still remained on TV with Head, so Bray Wyatt remained on TV with Severed Bray Wyatt Head. And although recently (laughs) Swamp Bray Wyatt decided to make an appearance and give us the three... Faces of Wyatt. But what about Husky Heart? No. No. So, for honorable mention alone, it has to go to Bray Wyatt. But my number five pick is something that is very recent. But, man, it still gets me. It still gives me goosebumps. 
Who's it going to be? I am covered head to toe in goosebumps right now just listening to that. <laughs> Edge, a man that everybody thought he had long since been retired and he couldn't step foot in the ring thanks to his spinal stenosis and his, his neck and, and everything else. Uh, I remember, was it 2011? Like it was yesterday. You know, Edge defeating Alberto Del Rio to retain the world title. And the next thing we know, he had to retire. And everyone, myself included, you know, were kind of crying. You know, Edge is someone that, you know, if you listen to my fave fives in the past, you'd know he, I think he's my number fifth all time. They said, you know, as I've said before, here in Ontario, we take pride in our homegrown wrestlers. You could be like a jobber. You could be like Dwayne Gill. And we would still hold you in such high regard because you're one of us. You're an, Ont you're an Ontario-born person. You know, Edge is from Orangeville, not far from where I live now, about maybe an hour and a half. And and because he's because he's always been a local boy, he has been someone that, my goodness, that I've 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 always loved. And it wasn't just because of him being Canadian. Yeah, I am being biased, big time. But nobody thought Edge would ever come back. I mean, sure, he had a couple of appearances here and there. You know, of course, we had the E and C pot of awesomeness. We had uh, their uh, the Edge and Christian show on the network, and they were both fantastic. Not only was the E and C pod hilarious, but it was also quite informative for you know for a lot of their guests. Yeah, you'd have your your side your side. Uh, inside jokes with people like Tommy Dreamer. But yeah, for someone who was in the business, it was always great to hear that side of the perspective. Edge making his return was, and still is in my mind, the best moment in wrestling in 2020. Uh, because let's face it, uh, 2020 has been kind of a kind of a gong show, especially with, you know, with COVID and then protests and then everything else in the news that I don't want to talk about because wrestling and podcasting is an escape. Hard discussions are inescapable and we have covered them in, in podcasts past. So you can go back into the Game Changer archives for those. But my goodness, Edge, he... I guess he underwent some kind of treatment to help with his neck. And he managed to not only wrestle in the Royal Rumble, 
but at WrestleMania as well, and at Backlash in, in the uh, the greatest match of all time. Uh, although he did injure his tricep, uh, his timetable of injury is unknown at this point in time, but it seems that it won't might not be as long as initially thought, which I'm absolutely hopeful for because I love Edge. And man, that that has to give the top the top five. If he didn't come back this year, Edge returning in two thousand, I think what ten to win the Royal Rumble would have made the list. Number four. Hell must have frozen over in 2002. Eric Bischoff made his surprise debut as the new commissioner, the new general manager of Monday Night Raw. Uh, Ric Flair and uh, Vince McMahon had spent the first little while in in the month feuding uh rick flair of course after the invasion paper uh angle ended thankfully miserably terribly uh he became the majority shareholder after stephanie and shane mcmahon were you know kind of ousted as a result of the alliance losing i'm probably gonna have to talk about the invasion someday aren't i uh i don't want to do it I might fantasy book it. No. Anyways. <laughs> After Rick and Vince had a match at Royal Rumble, surprisingly entertaining, uh, Ric Flair still kind of hung on to the majority, but he had to relinquish some of his power in order to wrestle The Undertaker at WrestleMania X8, which also took place in Toronto. And I wish I went to that one as well. The Vince Vince was kind of left with, you know, a, a catch-22. He was kind of left, what am I going to do? Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, I think it was Linda McMahon that made this decision. We're going to split the roster. You know, Ric Flair's going to run Raw. And Vince is going to run SmackDown. And eventually, you know, they both had to appoint new people in power to be your on-screen authority. You know, SmackDown had had Stephanie McMahon and, and also Paul Heyman, I think, somewhere in between both of them. And Raw needed someone new because I think it was something to do with Flair. I, f I forget really what, but maybe it had more to do with he was going to be a permanent member of the active roster. So he had to give up his position of power to do so. That left a vacancy for Eric Bischoff. And 
I remember like JR's call. It wasn't in this particular video because that wasn't uh, WWE's actual not feed, but it was like, you know, uh, um, it's like the hell is frozen over, the devil, I think it's something to do with someone hugging Satan himself and it had just something you thought you'd never see because for years on on Nitro, Eric Bischoff would be calling out Vince McMahon uh, for a fight. I don't recall if they if McMahon and Bischoff ever had a match, but they've definitely had physical confrontations. I think, namely, like the last night that Bischoff was on Raw and Vince McMahon dressed in a freaking Judge uniform. Uh, threw Bischoff into uh, the garbage truck and away he went. Or was that Cena that threw him in the garbage truck? Uh, total Mandela, Mandela effect happening here, but again, I watched that Bischoff bit just now and it gave me freaking goosebumps again. And it still shocks me, especially when they kind of blew the surprise before which really bothered me even at the time where it would be uh, Booker T having a backstage interview with the coach. And then it's just in the middle of it. He just, he just stops and hi book. Good to see you again. Bischoff walks into frame. Tell me I didn't just see that. I wish they cut that bit out. And that the Bischoff surprise wasn't until literally the last second. And we didn't see him on camera. A lot of people online on the Dirty Dirt sheets and the Angel Fire boards and the message boards that I was a part of at the time were kind of speculating Bischoff. But nobody really knew. And that's what made it awesome. Number three. That... That's gotta be... That's gotta be... That's gotta be Kane! Ah, uh, Kane's debut. Now, I've spoken at length about Kane. Uh, so I'll try and make this one a little bit short. Kane is always a character throughout leading up to his debut is someone who is shrouded in mystery. You know, Paul Barra, he's alive, Undertaker! You're a murderer! Oh, yes! Uh, just Paul kind of manipulating the Undertaker to, you know, Kane coming into the picture. Because there was a couple of times where Paul Bear kind of inserted himself back into Taker's life. He's like, oh, it's like, if you don't do what I say, I will tell everyone your secrets. And, you know, eventually he does. And then for a while, throughout the fall, maybe the summer, the summertime, around the time Taker lost the title to Bret Hart at SummerSlam, we didn't see Paul Bear for a while. We didn't hear anything about Kane until all of a sudden, at Bad Blood 97, Taker 
is about to finish off Shawn Michaels in the first ever Hell in a Cell match. And the lights go out. And then you see this red hue. And this giant man in a, in a red and black outfit in a mask with Paul Bearer leading the charge. Oh my gosh, it's Kane. Taker just sits there like he's seen a ghost. He is shocked. And Kane, how do I put it into words? You can't, you can't put this debut in words because at the time, it was so shocking, it was so cool. You saw the embodiment of all these things that Paul Bearer was alluding to from, for months. And he stood face to face with his brother, face to face with the person that he thought he'd never see again. Taker thought he was dead. But Kane was very much alive and had spent years plotting and planning his revenge. If you want some really good Kane and the Undertaker stuff, please go back into my personal archives on Fretzelmania. And I believe I also released it on Russell Attic Radio as well on our Patreon for free, along with my other stuff. Hellfire and Tombstone, you know, kind of like a fantasy booking scenario where I had Kane ending the WrestleMania streak, which is kind of ironic because that's that's in my list. You'll 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 know where it is. And now, number two is something that uh, actually Nate and I are going to be talking about on the Game Changer podcast, or we will have by the time you hear this. Now, I know I've already covered this in my most shocking heel turns episode, but this moment is just too sweet to not talk about again. Bash of the Beach 1996. Uh, Hall and Nash were promising a third person to take on the team of Lex Luger, Sting, and Macho Man Randy Savage. And they were like, oh, he's here, just not yet. And then throughout the course of the match, breaks out into a giant schmoz. And then finally Hulk Hogan makes his way to the ring. Uh, who was going to seemingly be on the side of WCW against these outsiders uh, of Holland Nash who had recently jumped ship from the WWE. And they've made all these allusions to the third man and hey, we came from that other place and you know, we helped out that other place and we thought that 
they have been sent to WCW to destroy it from the WWE. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there that actually believe and and support that. Well, I disagree with it. I think it's a fascinating way to, to go about it. But nobody thought that Hulk Hogan, the perennial good guy, white meat baby faces of white meat baby faces, the cream of the crop, no offense, Macho Man Randy Savage, when it came to top faces of the company. And the unthinkable would happen. You know, Randy was down. Hogan came into the ring, did a little bit of a lap, and then dropped the leg, and then dropped it again. And it was kind of funny that Bobby Heenan, he didn't really almost spill the beans, but he was like, Oh, Hulk Hogan's in the building. You're damn right he is. Yeah, but whose side is he on? What are you talking about? Like, Dusty Rhodes had to kind of uh, steer the ship a little bit, like, what are you talking about, baby? Hulk Hogan is going to destroy these outsiders, if you will. Uh, paraphrasing, of of course. Uh, Shivani, like, of course, because, uh, you know, Bobby's the heel announcer. Shivani kind of has to, you know, sweep that under the rug a little bit. Or pull a gorilla monsoon and be like, will you be serious? But Hulk Hogan turning on, on WCW to join, to form the new world order of professional wrestling still gets me to this day. Still does. And it still holds up. Like I watched just that match from Bash at the Beach 96 because the rest of that pay-per-view, no thanks. <laughs> still holds up. Still absolutely does. But number one is something that I think Everybody who watches wrestling could see coming. Can he do what does he have the strength left to do? Undertaker with Brock Lesnar up high. Brock's looking for the tombstone pile driver. Does he have the strength left? Yes, the pile driver. The cover on Lesnar. Lesnar kicked out at two.
as long as I live, I will never forget the end of the Undertaker streak. 21 and 1 at WrestleMania. An unprecedented undefeated streak at the granddaddy of them all. It's been over six years. But I still remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I had my my friend Jeremy over. Uh, He used to work uh, at my store. His his family and my family up here were were all really tight. Uh, He was over. I think we were playing a bit of Halo 4 or or something on my Xbox and I said, "Hey, I'm I'm also going to be watching WrestleMania here." So, you know, I had my laptop in the living room and and Jeremy was playing playing video games. He's not a wrestling fan, but he he knows wrestlers. Like he knows Brock Lesnar. So, I'm pretty sure he watched Brock in in the UFC. And, you know, I was paying attention through most of the show, and then when this match was on, I I kept a third eye on it, you know, kind of like you know Matt Seidel's third eye, not the other third eye that you shouldn't look up on Urban Dictionary. Um, yeah, I was looking at this match, and then when I saw the third tombstone, I stood up. So I'm just like, here it is, Taker wins, one, two, what? Then I saw the third F5. And I'm like, okay, he's going to kick out. He's going to kick out again. One, two, three. I think I screamed. Expletives. And, you know, he's just like, well, what? It's like, dude, Taker lot. He knows Undertaker, too. He's like, dude, Brock beat Taker. He's like, What? So we look on the replay. We're both dumbstruck. I'm trying to fight tears. Because I was so shocked and mad and sad. And I thought this was Taker's last match. I mean, if there if there was a way to wrap up his career, this could have been it. But that riding off into the darkness after a Boneyard match and then... And then the five-part um, uh, Last Ride series. That's also a way to do it. But but that day, I, I remember like like it was yesterday. It's like, I know I, I know I, I either had the day off or I worked for a bit. And I was home in time for WrestleMania. Uh, and Jeremy wanted to come over because, you know, his parents were going to be away. He's... He he's a little bit younger than 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 I am, but you know he's like yeah sure yeah come on over. I mean, you're gonna be bored at the house. Why don't we sit here and play Halo for a while? But I'm gonna watch WrestleMania. So we did that. Got the food. Got the pay per view. And that was also the this was also the night uh, Daniel Bryan made history. And that's when I was fighting back the tears too. He might he might have left, but. You know, he, he knew like Triple H and Orton. He knew a little bit of these guys, but Jeremy said, not a wrestling guy. Shout out to you, by the way, buddy. I'm going to send this to you. I, I hope you, that you and your family are doing well and you're doing safe. 
Yeah, my most shocking moment, unsurprisingly, is the streak ending. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again, the streak should have never, ever been broken. Not by Brock, not by Roman Reigns. To me, the streak should have been something, should be something that retires and dies with The Undertaker. But again, if I were to fantasy book it, which I did, Hellfire and Tombstone, please listen to it. It's my most proudest accomplishment in podcasting, and I'm dead serious. Kane would have been one of the ones to break it. This kind of turned a corner for Brock Lesnar's career. They would have a rematch, I believe, at SummerSlam. Either that year or the year after. And, yeah, his his career resurgence kind of began here. Because he spent the first couple of years feuding with John Cena, Triple H, Dean Ambrose, uh, CM Punk. And it wasn't until he got this statement win that he got his steam back. And then he had all those year-long title reigns that everyone hated including myself, to be honest. Uh, the only one who was having a fun time with this was the Demon Diva, Issa. Hi, Issa. Shout out to you. <laughs> Hope you're doing well and you're doing safe, too. So, yeah. <laughs> this has been Fretz's Faith 5, episode 19. The next time you'll hear me is episode 20. Now, I don't know exactly when that will be. I do have a week off... Well, I'm going to be taking a week off of podcasting relatively soon. Uh, as I said, don't know when that is. You'll 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 know when that is. You might even know by the time that this episode goes out. You know, just so, you know, I'm going to have family coming up. My mother uh, might be coming up to visit for a few days. So we're uh, going to be spending some time together doing that. And, yeah, we're going to have a, you know, a good safe visit. And, yeah. So, TTFN, ta-ta for now. I love you. God bless you. Be safe and peace.